Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. What do you think about Asian carp, the invasive species that has choked so many of our big rivers and their tributaries? Oh, a lot of us have had some bad dealings with Asian carp. And some of us have had some good times with them. But I've got on a program with me Dr. Mark Morgan, who's an associate professor at the School of Natural Resources at Mizzou. Hey, that's my own homesick, you know. I spent a few years there. But Dr. Mark teaches outdoor recreation, interpretation techniques, research methods, and visitor behavior. Dr. Mark, I tell you, that sounds like quite a title and a lot of work. But I've known you for several years. You're the man for it. Well, it is. It, it, it's a job that keeps me pretty busy, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, today, I want to talk about Asian carp, which is actually a little different topic than what you mentioned in the previous introduction. So thank you very much. But Asian carp has been a really interesting topic for me for almost a decade. Um, as you noted earlier, you know, it's, a, it's an invasive species. It's choking a lot of our big river systems. Uh, there's a lot of problems with uh, uh, flooding and spread of the carp into different locations. And, of course, the biggest threat is that in the Great Lakes. Um, it's it's a difficult thing, and so it's like when I got to thinking, how can we possibly like address this problem? I'm not trying to solve it; I'm just wanting to try to address it. Well, it sounds like you're headed the right direction. You've got a, quite a project going. It's it's called Eat Mo Carp. That's correct. Uh, Eat Mo Carp is an initiative I came up with a few years ago. And actually, I started by serving uh, carp to Missourians. Uh, I work with Bass Pro during the summer on some of these outdoor days events. And so I've been involved with their activities for several years now. And that's what really got me interested in the idea of serving the carp as food to regular, normal people. So in this particular case, Missourians seem to like it quite well. At first, everybody seems to be a little bit reluctant. But after they see it and they smell it, uh, then they certainly want to taste it. And so that's how we got our start on Eat Mo Carp was serving um, food in various uh, formats. Uh, I've done it in burgers and patties and tacos and burritos and omelets and sausage. I mean, you name it. it you can put it in virtually anything, and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you, several years ago, I was up on the Missouri River. One of my first trips, I went up uh, just to look for Asian carp, uh, and I didn't know a lot about them. I just heard stories, you know, but I was by myself, and that was kind of a mistake, but I figured out real quick, like, that the greener the water, the more carp that seemed to be there, and I run my boat pretty fast, went in behind an island, and I, I'm going to video these things coming out of the water, right? Well, the first one that come out of the water was about 20 pounds and hit me right in the jawbone, you know, and I thought it broke my jaw, so I tucked my camera up under the console and hunkered down, and I got 28 of those fish in the boat in about 45 seconds, but I did keep a few of them, and I actually made the, uh, soup out of them. I browned them in a skillet and then added, you know, stock, made put a little flour in it and seasoned it up a little bit, and it was absolutely great. So I've been a fan of Asian carp for quite some time, but your projects sound like uh, maybe you're heading in a direction of trying to feed lots of people with Asian carp. 
Well, that's correct. We're trying to do a little bit more upscale the process. And what I want to do is to take that carp and then to pulverize it in a way that um, uh, makes it a highly uh, edible format, uh, something that doesn't need refrigeration or freezing. Wow. Uh, could put it in a vacuum pack bag. And then it could be served in terms of, of uh, humanitarian aid, you know, from right. countries around the world. Absolutely. I've done some work in Haiti already, just on an experimental basis, and it turned out to be really, really great. So I'm looking to advance that agenda, well, as soon as I possibly can. Well, I would I would say so because well, you and I have grown up in a in a time that uh, hey, we've seen lots of lots of bad happenings around the world, and of course, the world has always been hungry. It's just a historical fact, and uh, I'm sure you're probably more aware than uh, than me of the fact that you know there are enough uh, natural resources in the world for us to feed everybody, and it's always a case of of distribution, and and that distribution problem is usually caused by uh, egos and and people wanting to hold power and rule over other people and all those other sorts of things. Of course, we're not wanting to head the political direction at all, but you've, you've got a very feasible project going here that very well could feed much of the world. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. I, I really do. Um, really, in this particular case, we're addressing two problems at once, and that's the unique angle about this particular project. One is uh, invasive uh, species in the United States. In this particular ca- case, the Asian carp are just overpopulating our Midwestern river systems. So it reduces that number of uh uh, the number of fish, but then it also provides a huge benefit for people, especially in developing countries. Uh, I found out that through testing that the uh, carp have a tremendous number of, of benefits, high in protein, high in iron. Uh, they have good calcium levels, potassium. They have omega-3 fatty acids, of course. Uh, they have all the nine essential amino acids. So there's a huge uh, um, supplemental uh, nutrition and supplemental food supplemental benefit associated with carp, if we can just put it in the right format, uh, and that's the key, because we want to try to make it where uh, it doesn't need refrigeration or freezing, because a lot of these countries to go to, it will be spoiling very quickly. Exactly, but uh, you know yourself that Americans have never been really in tune with carp, I would say. Of course, I grew up in a Missouri boot hill close to the Mississippi River, and uh, we used to fish a lot for, for the uh, good old German carp, you know, and we would gig them stick them with spears in the spring backwaters and we ate a lot of german carp and they're very very sporting fish as well but the asian carp is a different critter all altogether we don't think of them at all as a sporting fish because you're not apt to catch them on a hook and worm like we did the german carp but what a tremendous food resource that is there and available but still yet americans have they not been a bit slow to adapt to even asian carp and when it comes to thinking about eating them well, this is a historic problem in the United States. Uh, it started with a common carp, which were imported into the U.S. about 1830s. And we did that because of the growing immigrant population in the United States at the time. Um, but it didn't seem to be too much of a food success. Even the immigrants kind of turned up their nose at the, <laughs> what you refer to as the German carp. Yes. The carp that we're talking about are the Asian carp, which were brought over in the 1970s. And right. There's actually two species of carp, the silver and the big head. Right. Um, now, the ones that you might see either in person jumping out of the water like you did or uh, on YouTube. If you have a chance to go on YouTube, just type in 
silver carp or jumping carp or something, and you'll see tons of videos on these fish, that only represents about half of the carp population because the big heads, they don't jump at all. Oh. And the problem is that we have this perception about carp. Uh, we think that they're nasty. We think they're ugly. We think they're bony. Uh, it's often referred to as a trash fish. And so what I wanted to do was to look at this very carefully and see if we could find some opportunity to turn trash into treasure. And I think that's what I've actually done. Oh, I, I think so, uh, too. And uh, you mentioned the word perception, and that's the whole ball game. I think. It, it's so funny, you know, how uh, Americans are. Man, we perceive something as good, something as bad. It, it's like there's no in-between lots of times. And it's difficult to, yep. to change yep. people's opinions and their feelings about something. We've, we've seen it in our lifetimes uh, regarding a number of animals. You know, hey, snow geese, for example. You know, a lot of people love them. The hunters do, but the farmers hate them. And uh, a lot of people like to eat them. A lot of people don't. But with the carp situation, like you mentioned, it's something that's been around a, a long, long time. And perhaps the attitudes towards the German carp have flowed over into the situation with the, the Asian carp. Uh, is, is that not true? Uh, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, we started our perception with the with the uh, German carp. Uh, of course, we have five species of carp in the United States right now. Uh, the common carp, which is the German carp, uh, well, it actually came from Germany, but uh, before that, it came from China. So all of the uh -huh. species of carp are, have Chinese origins or far eastern origins at one time. Uh, so we have the common carp or the German. We have the silver, the big head, uh, and the black. Okay, so those are those the species that we have um, right now in the United States, and all of them represent some type of problem, or one, one problem or another. Um, but you're, you're talking about the perception, and it's so true. Uh, you know, Americans have a tendency to, th tendency to think that if it, must, if, it, if it looks bad, it must be bad. Uh, in other <laughs> words, perception is reality. And in, that, in this particular case, it's not true at all. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, investigation and a little bit of uh, work to try to figure out what can we make good out of a bad situation. So in other words, give me lemons, you make lemonade. Exactly, and sound like you're well on your way to do, doing that. And you were saying earlier, prior uh, to uh, starting the recording, that uh, you, this is a team effort. Who else is involved working with you in this uh, uh, CART project? Well, uh, it is a team project. I have several uh, faculty members here at the University of Missouri that are working with me on this. Um, I have one in forestry that's uh, actually a metabolomics specialist, and so he does a lot of things like black walnuts and find out the nutritional products, the values of black walnuts. Uh, I have another person in um, food science. I have another person in food engineering. But then in addition to that, I've got scientists that are around the world that are helping me with this project. I'm working with another professor from uh, University of Pretoria in South Africa, wow. and another you know, uh, another faculty member in uh, Vietnam. That that's interesting. I spent a little time in Southeast Asia myself, and I'm not going to tell a story on air here, but I'll tell you a story sometime about. Uh, uh, my partaking of a little bit of fish I found in a pot out in the jungle after some people had left in a hurry made me very sick. <laughs> but but uh, hey, the carp we're talking about is a great food source. And uh, how did you go about? I'm just curious. How did you go about rounding up a team that that would work on a project like this? What did you look for in team members? 
Well, you know, it's really inter- it's really interesting that you say that because all I need to do is to talk about the project and then people automatically get interested in it. So I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to like really convince them or twist their arms or anything like that. I just merely mentioned it and I talked about what we're doing and that type of thing and this bigger vision. And I feel like that that's the key. If you lay out a bigger vision, I mean, hey, we're using invasive species to help people, needy people around the world. It's a pretty compelling story, you must admit. And so therefore people get excited. They get interested in this type of thing. And even though we don't have a lot of money for the project right now, I'm in the fundraising process, but we don't have tons of money yet, but we're trying to generate some more interest through this. But they were even uh, they were even willing to help me without any promise of money, which is a great thing. Well, it really is, but that tells you up front that, that they, they see the possibilities of the project and certainly the value of the, these Asian carp as a food source for, man, much, much of the world uh, down the road. And, and hopefully that, uh, hey, this snowballs, you know, because I've often wondered, uh, I, I think, aren't, isn't there a company or two that actually uh, sings these carp maybe out of the Illinois River is a story I've heard. And uh, actually, I, I think most of them that are doing this are using the carp for maybe fertilizer projects. Is there any truth to that rumor I hear? Uh, yes, there's actually several processors um, that are working with Asian carp. Uh, one is in Kentucky. Uh, there's a couple in Illinois that are doing it, um, and a couple have done it in the past. So it's not like it's an overcrowded field or anything like that. Right. But there have been uh, a lot of efforts over the course of time in order to catch the fish. But you have to that has to be done through commercial fishing. Right. They have to be netted, and uh, that takes time and effort. And then the commercial fishers, of course, they're not going to do it for free. Um, but exactly. the Payoff on this is that uh, many of the products are used in various ways. So some of the products, some of the fish actually uh, gets uh, flash frozen after taking the head off and the guts out. Yep. Uh, they flash freeze it and they send it to China as a an edible food product uh, for for uh, the community uh, for communities. Um, and uh, but other other uses include fertilizer and pet food and things of that nature. Uh, they're doing a little bit of uh, experimentation with with a crawfish bait. Uh, so there's several different things that there's a possibility with, and we just need a few more markets. And so this is my first effort to look at uh, kind of a developing world as a potential market, which, in fact, it's huge. Yeah, exactly so. It, and the beauty of this whole thing is you can bring a lot of the hungry world together with a, an enormous food source because we're just talking about the United States, and I assume that the these uh, Asian carp uh, probably exist in a number of other countries in equal quantities. Is that true? Uh, yes, many of the Asian carp exist in numerous countries around the world. Uh, I don't know in terms of relative concentration. It seems as if we have more than our fair share number in the United States. I've heard it said before that the Illinois River, which is a tributary of the Mississippi River, uh, and that's the one that flows near, flows from or near Chicago, um, that is the most populated place for Asian carp in the entire world. Wow. So we have a lot of carp here, and we need some solutions, and we need to do something quick. Uh, if they get in the Great Lakes, they're going to damage, I mean, severely damage Absolutely. multi-billion-dollar commercial and recreational fishing industry. So we need to do something. Well, it sounds like you're headed in the right direction, and Dr. Mark, I'd certainly like to congratulate you for, for coming up with this idea and 
heading it up. Everybody's been standing around scratching their head wondering, when's somebody going to do something? You know, and there have been some governmental things done, but it, it seemed like uh, we've been putting Band-Aids on a big open sore, you know. But uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head here and sound like you've got a good crew of people that have they basically volunteered their time because they do see the importance of, of the project. But Dr. Mark, if people wanted to find out a little bit more about the project or more about the Asian carp, uh, where would they go to for information? Well, it's easy to find me. Um, I'm, my name is Mark Morgan. I'm at the School of Natural Resources at the University of Missouri. So my, I have a website profile uh, with my telephone number as well as email. So that would be probably the easiest way to do is to get in touch with me individually, and I'll be glad to point you in certain directions or provide you information. Like I said, we're in the process of a fundraising drive now. Certainly appreciate any funds that you might be able to willing to donate for the project. What we're trying to do is to get a little bit of seed money together in order to apply for a much larger grant. So I'm looking at places like the World Food Program. I'm looking at USAID. But we need to do a little bit more, gain a little bit more traction in order to get some more research done in order to apply for these bigger grants. So any help will be fine. That'd be great. Well, I, I, hope, we, it. I hope we generate uh, some help for you, uh, Dr. Mark. Hey, it's been great talking to you, and I hope we can do this again uh, just ever so often so we can kind of keep the public updated on what's going on with your project. But a great project there. And uh, Dr. Mark? Good talking to you. Stay on the well, line. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Have a- yeah. Hey, stay on the line uh, after I hang up here. I got a little ending I'm going to do, and then I want to talk yep. to you just a little bit more. Uh, that was Dr. Mark Morgan, from Associate Professor from the School of Natural Resources up at Mizzou. And he's got a tremendous project going on with Asian carp. He hopes to feed the world. Hey, he's living a dream just like us. And folks, I always encourage you to get outdoors and live your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper. The Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, Cowtown USA, Alps Outdoors, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, and the Fly Rod Journals. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.